Good morning, everyone. How many know that this is the day that the Lord hath made? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to those who are joining online as well. A big shout out to Rebecca Jones, Pastor Matt's wife, for her graphic design. Isn't that awesome up there? We gave her this, uh, we just gave her one word, advance, and uh, talking about spiritual disciplines. And before you know it, she came up with this, and we just loved it, moving your spiritual life to the next level. Listen, next Sunday, I'm going to reveal the mystery guest. I can't hold it any longer. One of my favorite missionaries, Mark Gardner, will be with us next Sunday. And what's so cool is Mark is a great preacher. Uh, Mark has ministered in Africa. He's now in Fiji. Mark is a worshiper. He has stories after stories after stories on the mission field, how God broke through through worship. And, and next week, we're going to look at the spiritual discipline of worship, experiencing breakthroughs through worship. And Mark Gardner will, will be sharing with that. Uh, so excited. The following week, we're going to be talking about fasting. Now, there's a spiritual discipline we don't hear much about today. We only fast when someone proclaims a fast, but we don't fast on our own. So in two weeks, we're going to be talking about fasting. Three weeks, we're going to be talking about the importance of prayer, how God wants to communicate with us and how we are to communicate to God through prayer. Today is Discipline 1, Bible reading. And you may be sitting there and say, oh, Pastor, what are you going to teach me about Bible reading? Well, this is more than just about Bible reading. So so just stick with me. And I'm sure there's many here this morning, many here this morning, who could probably do a little bit better job with their Bible reading. We're going to take a look at the facts the why and the how. Real simple, the facts, the why, and the how. Just want to take a look at the facts for a moment. Do you know, probably most of you know this, that the Bible is the all-time top-selling book estimated at over 500 billion copies. Think about that. Second place, you know the second most popular book at 500 million? Don Quixote. And then it's the tale of two cities, and then it's the Lord of Rings, and it keeps going down. But, but nothing can compare with the top-selling book, the Bible. But here's the problem. The problem is, it's not a matter of ownership. It's not a matter of people not having the Bible. The problem is, people reading it. A Gallup poll among Christians... It didn't go out to, just among Christians, a Gallup poll reports 64% of Christians say they're just too busy to read God's word. 64%. Now that shows that there's a big gap between ownership and putting it to use. Another fact, how many know that this is? The inspired word of God. God's love letter to his children. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that all scripture is God-given or God-breathed. And it's useful. It's not just a storybook. 
It's an owner's manual. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And and I don't understand how there's this gap between ownership and use when this is the all-inspired Word of God that is real and true and can provide a better life as we apply the principles that are in it. Well, there's some of the facts Now, why? And we're going to be on this point a long time. Not all points are going to be that short. Why? Why? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke. How many know God still speaks today? And God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He is not only the creator of this universe. He's a personal God who wants to communicate to you and I. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. And we're going to take a look at various ways God speaks in just a moment. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. Now, God speaks in many ways. I still believe in the prophetic, that God can speak in prophetic ways to us through others. I also believe that in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah hears the whisper the small, still voice of God. And thank God for his audible voice that he speaks to us today. He also speaks to us through dreams and visions. There there are many, many. If you ever hear a a missionary who ministers to Muslims, a lot of Muslims have had dreams and visions of Jesus before the missionary even comes and when the missionary talks about Jesus, they, they, oh yeah, I had a dream, a vision about him. How many know God speaks through circumstances? Through circumstances, God speaks through creation. He has revealed himself through creation. God speaks us through the wise counsel of counselors and through the wise counsel of Christian fellowship. God can speak to us through one another. But for me... The primary way that God speaks to me, and I believe the primary way that God speaks to us today, is through his word. His word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So why there are various ways that God speaks to us, the most predominant way that I believe he speaks to us today is through his word. Now, I want to introduce you to a young man, a young boy, by the name of Josiah. In 2 Kings chapter 22, I want to talk to you about the life of this young boy and the importance the Word of God had in his life. 2 Kings chapter 22, Josiah was eight years old when he... Yes, that's not a misprint. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And I'll give you the reasons why he was eight years old in just a minute. He reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jediah and the daughter of Adiah. She was from Abazkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And walked in the ways of his father, David. And some of you who know your Bible are saying, well, David was not his father. Some Bibles will say the, his ancestor, David. What they're showing there is that he's from the line of David. He's from the Davidical line of David. So he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his ancestor, David. And here's what I wanted to highlight. Not turning aside. To the right or to the left, not turning aside. Why is that important? Because of all the kings that we read in the Bible, to my knowledge, Josiah is the only king that this is ever said about. Not turning to the side, to the right or to the left. Now, for a lot of you Bible readers, you might know this. And there's others who will not know this, but let me just give you a little background on Josiah for a moment. Anybody familiar with his grandfather? Manassas? Manassas, the Bible said, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. His grandfather reigned 55 years. This is what's said of Manassas. Moreover, Manassas also shed so much innocent blood. So much innocent blood. He killed people that didn't need to be killed. So much innocent blood was shed that it filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. Beside the sins that he caused Judah to commit. So that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Manassas was an evil king. He promoted the worship of idols. He even set up uh, altars in the temple of God to Baal. He practiced sorcery and, 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 sought the means, and sought the advice of means. He encouraged the worship of idols and literally led the nation into sin so much that God's judgment was about ready to be poured out upon them. Oh, I forgot one thing. Scripture tells us that he sacrificed some of his sons to the God of Molech in the fire. Can you imagine as a kid, Joseph, hey, what was granddad like? Well, if you got on his wrong side, he'd sacrifice you in the fire to Molech. Anybody know anything about his dad? Ammon? Ammon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And just after two years of him as king, Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated the king in his palace. Now let's do some math here for a moment. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. His father only reigned for two years at the age of 22. That means Ammon was 16 years old when he had Josiah. 
It means he, he lived to see basically six years, six, seven, eight, six years of his grandfather's life running the kingdom and, 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 and think of Josiah's upbringing for a moment. Josiah was eight years old. It was amongst moral chaos. The, the nation was in moral chaos. The nation he was leading was, was rampant in, in, in idolatry. His father had been assassinated. Can you imagine at the age of eight, hearing that your dad has been assassinated, that it was a political coup? And then hear the stories of his grandfather. But there is a little light. There is a little grace. If you know the life about Manassas, he, he, he was taken prisoner by the Assyrians. A ring was put in his nose and led away. And, and sometimes God has a funny way of getting our attention, doesn't he? And there in Babylon, he repented and had a Jesus moment. He came back to his kingdom. God brought him back. But the people were still, it was too late. They, they would not give up the worship of the idols, bowing down to the Atheros, worshiping the stars. It was, it was too late. Maybe, just maybe, his, his grandfather's come to Jesus moment had a little influence on Josiah. But at the age of eight, the environment, the situation, his father assassinated Listen, this, this kid could have been a poster child for a victim of his environment. For 57 years, this nation was in chaos, had forsaken God. You, you think Josiah coming to the throne, you, you could write him off already. There'd be no hope for him, would there? What's in his DNA, what he had modeled I mean, he had been through so much at the age of eight. It probably could have landed him in counseling for the rest of his life. And now at the age of eight, he takes over a depraved nation that's about ready to face the wrath and the judgment of God because of their sin. A lot of times we make excuses for our mistakes. Well, it's just the environment I was brought up in. It's just the circumstances. It's just my DNA. Hey, I have no role model. If there was anybody who was set up for failure, it was Josiah. But Josiah is a model of how you don't have to buy into that victim complex, of how you don't have to buy into that victim mentality. He was one who rose above the environment. He was one who rose above his lack of, of, of fatherhood and, and modeling. He was one who rose above. And, and we read in the Bible that in the eighth year of his reign, 
at the age of 16. He rose above. And how did he rise above? The environment, the peer pressure, all the negativity. It says in Chronicles, in the eighth year of his reign, the age of 16, while he was still young, he began to seek God. He began to seek God. Listen, you, you might complain. Well, I was brought up on hand-me-downs. I was brought up with absent parents. I was brought up in an environment that wasn't the best. I was brought up with, with, with people who, who didn't, who, who, who parents who, who left it for me to raise myself. You can complain and complain and complain. I'm, I'm drowning in student loans. But at some time, you got to take and, and not let the circumstances and the environment make you prison to a victim mentality. And you can rise above no matter what your circumstances, no matter your situation, no matter what your environment. You can rise above as you seek the Lord. I've seen it. I've seen people who the world would write them off as failures because of everything that happened to them and they rose above their circumstances and refused to have a victim mentality and they began to seek the Lord. In the 12th year, let's see, eight became eight, 12, at age of 20, as he sought the Lord, he just saw, he didn't have a Bible at this time. He, he just sought the Lord. And, and he knew at the age of 16, four years later, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. We, we got to clean up this nation. We got to get back to God. We got to get rid of these things we're doing that's displeasing to him. The Asheroth poles, carved idols, and cast images. He, he got, he, under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. He cut into pieces the incense altars that were above them. He smashed social media and deleted his Facebook account and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and what? I know, I'm probably missing a bunch. No. Oh, he smashed the Astroth poles, the idols and the images. These he broke to pieces. And he shattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Here, you want them? Have them. He burned the bones of the priests on the altar. Why would he burn the bones of the priests on the altar? Because it was these very priests who led these people astray. And he also purged Judah and Jerusalem. What do we see? We see a cleansing taking place. A purging. As I read this in his 12th year, at the age of 20, all I started to think about 
If my people who are called by my name, come on, will what? Will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. So there's this purging, this cleansing, this sanctifying as a result of him just seeking God. And as he begins to purge, it says in the 18th year, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, six years later, in the 18th year, at the age of 26, King Josiah sent the secretary, Saphon, and this, uh, to the temple of the Lord. He, he says, go up to Hilkiah, the, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers collected the people. Have them entrusted to men and appoint them to supervise work on the temple. Supervise work on the temple. Listen. All of a sudden, Josiah realized this palace I'm living in is beautiful, But the house of the Lord has been neglected for the 55 years that his grandfather reigned, for the two years that his his father reigned, and now in the 18th year, for 74 years, the temple had been ignored. The house of God had been ignored. And he says, listen, take the money that's in the treasury and let's get some masons and let's get some carpenters and let's beautify God's house once again. Let's make God's house a priority. Hello, somebody. You want to advance in your spiritual life? Make God's house a priority. And what's so cool is they begin to work on God's house and God provided the finance for it. God saw what was taking place in this nation under this king who rose above the victim mentality, who sought, who purged, now was putting his house first once again. And as they were cleaning up the temple, Come on, some of you know. Some of you know what happens. As they're cleaning up, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Saphon, the secretary, I have found the book of the law. Whether it was the first five books of Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, or whether it was just Deuteronomy, we know that Moses handed a writing over to Joshua. But between Joshua and now, it's a period of 400 years. In in a period of that 400 years, somehow God's word, his book of the law, had been misplaced. He gave it to Saphon. And please note, Saphon just didn't lay it on the coffee table. He just didn't lay it on the nightstand. He just, oh, this one. I love walking through parking lots 
And you see the Bible placed on the dashboard or on the back ledge of the car. And you know why it's there. You know why it's there. Because just in case they get pulled over, the police will show a lot of, hey, Tim, I don't know if has a state trooper, you know, that ever happened to you. <laughs> you know, it's like a good luck charm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good citizen. I have the Bible on, my, on the dashboard of my car. Maybe it'll get me out of a ticket. It, he just didn't go and lay it on his desk. It says he read it. Listen, the gap of 64 Christians, 64% Christian, say they're too busy. It's not a matter of ownership. It's just a matter of use. What good is this book just lying around your house if it's not being read? And he read it. And let me tell you something. When you read this book, you can't just keep it to yourself. You can't just keep it to yourself. It's, it's such good news. The secretary, Satan, he, he runs. And King, you, 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 you got to hear. You, look what we found. You, you got to listen. And when the king Heard the written word, the inspired word of God. He tore his robes. He realized how fallen the nation had become from the standard God wanted for them. He tears his robes and he says, Go inquire of the Lord. Whoa, go inquire. Now, how's the, how, how do you Remember we read back in those days, that the Lord spoke through prophets? Go inquire of the Lord for me, for all the people and for Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Go, go inquire. Go, go find a prophet. Now, I'm going to mess with your, some of your theology big time right now. You ready to get messed with? They go to the temple and who did they find? Holda. Holda. That's a woman's name. Yep. And she was a prophetess. Come on, somebody. A woman who was a prophetess in the Old Testament. Who says women can't be used in ministry? And they, she inquires of the Lord. Listen to what she says. Get back to 2 Kings. She said to them, this is the words of the prophetess, Holda. She says to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything that's written in this book the king Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, provoked me to anger by the idols their hands have made. 
my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire over the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you heard. Whoa! However, but, what, what did this word of God as it was read, what did it do for a nation? Because your heart, this is what God is saying through the prophetess to Josiah, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and the people that they would become accursed and laid waste. And because you tore your robe and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. I have, aren't you glad God hears us when we cry out to him? And then he says, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you will be buried in peace your eyes will not see the disaster i am going to bring on this place and so they took her answer back to the king because of his heart because of his humbling himself because of him leading a nation back to god god says i will spare my wrath upon this generation i will postpone my judgment and you will be in peace Come on, somebody. Listen. There are disastrous situations that take place all the time in the lives of Christians. But when you're in this book, you'll always have peace. If you're seeking God, you will always have peace. And Josiah led a nation in revival for 30-some years. Because the book was found, it was read, and they applied it to their heart. That's why we need to find the book and read it. That's why we need to find the book that God speaks to us. The how, here we go, real quick. How. Very practical. For me, and there may be others But for me, I see three ways how you can read the Bible. You can read the Bible in what I call literary reading. Read it like a novel. There's nothing wrong with that. You read it like a novel. There are 1,189 chapters. If you want to read through the Bible in one year, it takes about, you got to read about three and one-third chapters a day. Three and one-third chapters. And there are many different Bible reading programs. There are diff- you can read the Bible, the Bible through in a year. There's a Bible outside that. There's reading programs. And it, th- one of the ways to read the Bible is just as a literary work, as a novel, where you're just getting information of everything that's in here. Secondly, I call it theological reading. Theological reading is when you do a study, and that's where you want a good study Bible that's got the little side notes and and can explain the verses of what's taking place, and and that takes a little bit more time. You, you, You just can't read through the Bible in a year in a study way, but you get a passage of Scripture, you read it, you read the footnotes, and it's more of a study way of reading the Bible and preparing for messages. Usually, I use all three. I get the context. I, I read the context in a literary form. 
and then I'll do the theological reading and, and the studying of it. But then there's the devotional reading. And this is where I want to hang out, the devotional reading. Devotional reading is using it as God's way to speak to you. God speaks to us through his word in the devotional reading. Now, this is how I approach devotional reading. Number one, get an easy-to-read version. The New Living Translation, not version NLT, that should be New Living Translation. It's, it's in modern-day English. And what's, what, you can get this from our church, Fire Bible. We can order them for you. It's a, a Pentecostal uh, translation of God's Word. Um, with study notes, uh, it was given to us by our superintendent. And it, it's just a great piece of, of, of work. And let me just say this. I need to say something between the difference. You know the difference between a translation and a paraphrase? When I was first saved, I had the Living Bible, which is a great Bible, but it was a paraphrase. The paraphrase was it took the King James, which is a translation from the original. It took the King James and just paraphrased it and made it in more understandable reading. A paraphrase is not the best Bible to use as a study Bible. You want a translation that goes back to the original. So, or, or the EVS, the uh, English Standard Version, uh, uh, or the, the, the older NIV. There's a newer NIV out that's not as, as uh, that I don't like as well. And people, when they want to read the Bible for their first time, where do they start? Genesis. And they get all excited. Exodus. But then, I mean, yeah, you get to Leviticus. And, and you're just like, yeah, how? You don't have to start at the beginning. I've always said the best place if you want to start reading the Bible is 1 John. Not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. 1 John, five chapters. And when you finish it, reread it. When you finish it, reread it. When you finish it, reread it. Read 1 John five times through because God, every time you read a chapter, God will reveal something different. And when I sit down for devotion reading, pray. Before you even start reading, pray. God, I know this is your word that is written to me, and I know that you want to speak to me today through the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal the truth. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. Allow the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth that you're about to read with the things you don't understand. You're probably wondering what the next thing is about. Remember the periods. Why? Remember the periods. Periods come at an end of the sentence for a reason. You know why? To take a breath. Pause. Think about what you just read. And then go on to the next sentence. And when you get to the period, pause. Take a breath. Think about what you have just read. And I've said that less is more. Well, what do you mean less is more? When you are asking God to speak to you, it's not a matter of, well, I got to get through this chapter. 
comprehension is more important than completion. I know people who say, oh, I got to read a chapter a day. Two hours later, you ask, so what did you read about? What did you learn? I don't know, but I got through my chapter. Hey, if you get through five verses, pausing at every period, and God is speaking to you through those five verses, sometimes that's all you need to hang on to for that whole day. Journal it. And it's amazing. As you go through 1 John five times and you journal what God spoke to you, I'm telling you, when you read chapter 1 again, God is going to speak to you something totally different than he did three weeks ago. Because his word is living. Simple. That's the how. Now, Pastor, I'm, I'm a slow reader. I don't even like to read. I look for Bibles that have pictures in them. There are different websites. BibleGateway.com BibleGateway.com Type in Bible dot and you'll come to the screen. Right up in that circle that I put there, that oval, type in First John one. First John chapter one. Click on it. And oh yeah, this is interesting. Over to the right, you can do the NIV, you can do the King James language if you want, you can do the new King James. You can you you can even pick Spanish if you want, if you want to learn Spanish. <laughs> Click on it. And right there. It'll take you to 1 John 1. And right there that by that speaker where that arrow is, all you have to do is click on that. And it's amazing. You start hearing 1 John chapter 1 being read to you. In fact, chapter 1 only takes 1 minute and 28 seconds. Chapter 2 only takes 4 minutes and 4 seconds. Chapter 3, 3, 31. Chapter 2, Chapter 4, 2 minutes and 58 seconds. Chapter 5, 3 minutes. For a total of 14 minutes and 51 seconds, you can sit there and listen to the whole gospel of the whole book of 1 John. But 64% say they're too busy. But if you were to check their screen usage, hello, And how much time they spend on social media, it would probably be more than 14 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. It's simple. Now, that would be literary reading. In 15 minutes, you can get through the whole book of 1 John. For devotional reading, that's why the arrow is up there. That's a pause button. And remember, periods are there for a... Follow along. And when you see the period and he takes a pause, pause the button. Reflect upon what you hear. Go back and reread what you just heard. Get it into your heart. Stop. Press the button. Let it read another sentence. After it comes to the period, pause it again. Go back and let God's word speak. To your heart.
They say it takes 30 days to develop a habit. Nothing beats the habit of Bible reading, of allowing God to speak to you. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. So, I remember in biology class. Remember biology class? Come on, why did you take biology class? So you could dissect the frog. Come on. But before you dissected the frog, before you had lab, you spent two weeks on lab safety. And it's like, come on, let's let's get let's let's dissect. But you had to learn about all the tools, all the instruments, all the safety. I want to invite you to the lab this morning where we get to dissect a passage of Scripture. While they were eating, and who's, while they were eating, you go back, you say, oh, why, Jesus was eating with the disciples. Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it, comma, break. And he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat, comma, semicolon. This is my body. Those who are serving the elements, would you come? Now it's your turn. While the elements are being distributed, I I did the first sentence for you. You do the next sentence. Then he took the cup. Come on, can we just start giving thanks? Thank you, Lord. ask that you wait till you're all served and we'll all partake together. Thank you, Lord. Then he took the cup. Gave thanks. Maybe as you begin to take the elements from the trays, you take the bread and you, you take the cup. Maybe you just want to start giving thanks. That's what, that's what Jesus did. He gave thanks. In your own way, can you just start giving thanks? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are always with me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. The cup you hold is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Maybe you need right now to just cleanse yourself and purge yourself before God.
as Josiah purged the nation of Judah and Jerusalem. Maybe you just need to purge yourself, cleanse yourself right now. In a moment, we're going to partake of these elements. But before we partake, Jesus says, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you. That which we are about to do, someday we're going to do in the presence of Jesus along with him. That's what that's what that says to me. I will not drink it again until I'm with you in my Father's kingdom. That act that we're about to do, someday we're going to do it with Jesus. He gave thanks, he broke it. He says, take eat. Let us partake of his body. Then he took the cup. He gave thanks to his father. And he offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. not done yet because verse 30 says what what does verse 30 say I'm going to throw a curveball at Pastor Bonnie I forgot to prepare for this but when they had sung a hymn they went out so we're not going out until we sing a hymn (laughs) or a chorus shall we stand
with your need of a miracle, just raise your hand. Boy, I feel so impressed. Your need of a miracle, just raise your hand. At the age of eight, Josiah was in need of a miracle to overcome a victim complex, to overcome 57 years of chaos, moral chaos. You need of a miracle? Seek God. Seek the Lord. Cleanse yourself. Find a word. Start to read it. And let God do His miraculous work in you. God bless you.